0: God moves in lots of different ways. And so throughout history, throughout time, God has showed up in different big moments like that that have started these big movements where tons of people have come to know him. Open Bible, our very denomination this church is a part of, came out of a movement, we've talked about it before, not too far from here, the Azusa Street Revival, where God showed up and and hundreds and thousands of people came and got saved and turned their lives over to God. And it was this move that, that swept across the nation. It was actually starting in Bible colleges all over at that time, as long with the the Azusa Street Revival. And Open Bible Kids was three different movements of God showing up somewhere that they all met together and said, wow, we're we're one in vision and became this denomination that we are very much a part of today. And that movie is about another movement that happened in the the early 70s where God showed up and started sweeping across the nation, a revolution of of who Jesus really is and the love that he really has for everybody. And it, it stirred a nation and it caused change. And out of that, you know, that movie is not just the start of Greg Laurie's church, but also of Calvary Chapel and also of Vineyard Churches. There's three different church movements came out of that that thing that reached thousands of people across the world, not even just here. And, you know, I believe that God is still wanting to do something similar to that today. And I think that this movie is very timely in the fact that our nation, our world needs Jesus. You know, I've been reading... History of open Bible, reading history of just lots of movements and church things recently, and just been very aware of things. And, um, and there, yeah, I, I don't know, I guess I, I was reading in a, a book that came out like 2007, and uh, they're talking about there's no you know, crazier time in our world than right now, and it talked about all of these things that were happening in the the late 90s, early 2000s, and all the crazy stuff that happened, you know, 9-11, and um, the big tsunami, and the um, genocide happening in Africa, and just all these crazy things around the world, and we think, wow, yeah, that was so bad, God's got to be coming soon, and now we're here in 2023, and you know, we just came out of a worldwide pandemic, you know, and there's wars and there's things happening everywhere still to this day. And there's still more room and much more room for God to come and move. And, um, man, I, I threw out kind of our our sermon series that we've been in and we're going to get back to it, um, because I still believe that it's really, really important and it's really dear on my heart. And, um, I'll get to a little bit more later on why we're changing things up today, but but God just has been stirring me and stirring some message that we need to hear that's um, happening. And so today we're we're talking about vision twenty twenty three. And uh, I had to look because I literally came up, I didn't come up with that this morning. I found it. Um, that's why I had to look and read it because I didn't remember what it said. But. I just believe that God is wanting to do something more again in our world. And that as much as God has gifted us and he has empowered us by who he's created us to be, without God coming and moving first, without us relying on his power and who he is, we will not accomplish what he's called us to do. Um, You know, I was watching, Noah already talked about all the snow, and you guys are like, I'm not even sure if you're still excited about the snow. You know, yesterday... Yeah, some people are. Yesterday, you know, it snowed, and um, it, it covered everything, you know, down around here. I know you guys don't normally see that. That's, that's new to you guys. You know, I grew up seeing it too much, and uh, to, a, to a spot where, like, okay, I'm done with this. And um, But I, w- I was really stirred that God wants to pour himself out in this area in a way that it covers everything. I was thinking, it reminded me of the verse of Habakkuk 2.14. It says, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. Like that's the weight and what he wants to pour out upon this area, upon really the whole nation, I believe. But I really felt that God's like, this snow isn't the new thing that everyone's going to be talking about the way that I'm pouring myself out, the way that I'm going to reveal my glory to this area is going to be what everybody talks about. I mean, it, it was crazy. Jackson, uh, we, they're our neighbors and the sellers, and, um, you know, we, we're outside playing, and they're outside like, it's snow. And um, Jackson literally pulled up a chair and just sat so that he could be covered by snow. Um, and uh, so I went over and tried to help, and he didn't like that, so he stood up and <laughs> talked. But... The whole neighborhood was out. All throughout the day, coming out and looking at it and talking about it and experiencing it and getting in it and building snowmen like we were talking about because they had never done that before or different things like that. And I, I, I believe that that's what God is wanting to do, something that everybody will be talking about, that people walk outside their doors to experience it, to get their hands into it and see what this is all about. Now, when the snow first came down, you know, there really was no evidence on the ground of it. I was trying to, like, I watched it switch from rain over to snow, and uh, I was trying to take pictures of it, and you really couldn't tell what was happening, you know, because it wasn't sticking anywhere. And then slowly it started to, to stick on the areas that could receive it, like the grass and maybe cars that started to pile up, and we could start getting pictures. But by the end of the day, it was covering everywhere. And... I kind of believe that that's what God's looking to do now. That I believe he is pouring out. And you can't really see all the evidence of it. But he's looking for people and places for it to stick. Yeah. So that people could start to see it. So people start to go, okay, something's happening here. But that, his end goal is he wants to pour it everywhere. Um, I don't know if you guys are fully aware, but there are places across the U.S. right now where God's presence is sticking. In that way, there's uh, started Asbury College, which actually back in the 70s had a revival like what's happening now where, where God poured out himself on a, a, a service of the students and then they just stayed in worship 24-7 for weeks on end and thousands of people came to know the Lord through it and it's happening again there and it's breaking out across campuses everywhere, actually, and in certain churches and in certain places and I want to be a place... That God sticks, right? I want to be a place that, that, like, as me, the temple of the Lord, that God sticks to me. And that we would be a place that is sticking to us. And that we begin to be an evidence that God is still here and in our nation and wanting to do what he's always come to do. Now, I'm not a revivalist. There are those people that that's all they seek after. Um, because I believe that when Jesus was on the earth, it was not a revival like the people are searching for. That... Um, how God plans to continue to spread his gospel is through us individually going out and doing the work. But I believe that revival can only then be personal, right? That the Holy Spirit can fall and revive your life and my life individually. Um, I listened to a a speaker who experienced a major revival um, when I was younger, and he said, if you want revival to start in your church, it starts with you. And he goes, there's, there's one place that God can fall first. And he said, what you do is you draw a circle around you. And you stand in that circle and say, God, I'm ready for you to come and pour yourself on me because it starts here with me. And that moment never really left my mind that it's really here, that God wants to show up and empower us individually to do the amazing things. And through that, it's contagious, and it will spread. I also know that God poured out his spirits, in the, his spirit in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, and he empowered them to go start the first church movement, and that, you know, Jesus' revolution and all these things are just God doing what he does over and over again in places, and God wants to do that again, I believe it. And so that's the vision for this year, that as we gather, grow, and go, that we're not doing it in our own power, right? God gave us a, a plan and a, things that we can physically do, but if we don't, If we only do it in our power, we will not see the fullness of what God has. So how can we be a people where God's spirit will stick? And I believe to be a place where God shows up. We have to be a church that wholeheartedly seeks and wholeheartedly follows God. And so I'm going to look at uh, John chapter 6. We're going to look at a moment of Jesus' life and the disciples' lives, and we're going to, Kind of walk through that story and pull out some things where God shows up in in mighty ways. Uh, Verse 1 says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill. He sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. I noticed in the story that the people were passionately seeking Jesus and then following him. And, then when, and when they did, Jesus in turn stopped, he welcomed them, and he taught them. When we seek God, we will find him. If the church, if, if us, if we want to be a place where God shows up, we have to be people who are actively seeking God, finding where he is at and where he's going and getting to him. Right? Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. But that verse isn't just a one time thing. Right? Those words, keep on, that it's a continuous part of our life to follow and um, be passionate pursuing God. Thank you. Um, Jesus is on the move, and we need to be active in finding him. That crowd could have went home. Right? They, they saw the miraculous signs, and they could have went back home. The crowd was full of men and women and children who had listened to a full message. They saw God do miracles. They've been sitting outside for all of this. But instead of letting Jesus move on and heading back home to their comfy chairs, to their bed, to their TVs, to their iPads, you know, whatever they had back then, Instead of going back to regular life, they chose to follow after God. God will not show up here on Sundays or really any day in amazing ways if we're not actively seeking him daily throughout the week, even when it's difficult. Right? This verse section that we read, did you miss that Jesus went to the other side of the sea to get, around, get away from these people, to move on, and the whole crowd followed him? Right, the Sea of Galilee is roughly 64 square miles. Right, that, that happens to be just like a little bit larger than the, the city area of San Bernardino, the whole, the whole space of it all. Now, we, we talked already that somebody walked six miles to be here this morning, which is crazy and um, like, should be the norm right, that that if you can't get there by your car, you would just walk, right, because it's so important that we would do that. These people decided it was so important to follow Jesus that they walked around a sea to follow him and to show up there. In fact, if you continue after this story, Jesus went back on the sea to try and get away from them, and they walked all the way back to find him again. Are you passionately seeking God? Is it something that when things get difficult or you just give up, or maybe you just want to go back to your comfy life after church and you don't actually participate in the things that we've been talking about? You don't actually implement the stuff that that we're trying to help you with so that you could have a life that's empowered by God? Are you actively searching Him? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now I'll be found by you, says the Lord. See, wholeheartedly is the key word. We like to just say, if you look for me, you'll find me. But but God is not just looking for people who are like, Jesus, you over there? No, he's not there. And then flip the channel on the TV, you know. He's saying, come, seek me wholeheartedly. Do you really want me? I heard a a sermon, uh, actually not, maybe a clip of a sermon or something, but uh, I'm trying to remember who it was by was some guy who preached. And, uh, but he said, if you got to heaven and everything was perfect in your life, you know, all of a sudden all of your, your sicknesses, all your diseases were gone, you were there with all your family and your friends, and everything was perfect in your life, but you found out God wasn't there, would you leave that to go find God? Right? Because so often our Christian life is really still just seeking what we want. Right? The things that we desire and hoping that God fits into that picture somewhere. We don't actually want God, but God wants us so much so that he sent his son to die and sacrifice everything and and lay down his whole life for us in hopes that we would turn to him. What he wants is wholeheartedness and seeking him, right? Where's your heart today? Are you already thinking about work, projects at home, family, what you're going to eat later, if you're going to skip this vision meeting or not? Right? Are you here wholeheartedly? 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Right? What is God looking for? People who are wholeheartedly searching for him. And what does he do when he finds it? He says that he comes and supports. Could you imagine that every endeavor in your life was fully supported by God? What that would look like? What, what things would happen in your life if you made a step and you were wholeheartedly seeking God that he fully supported it? Right? Every, every movement of faith would be almost like not, like why not step out in faith? God's always supporting me, right? I know he'll be there for me, right? I can take this giant leap. I can do these things he's called me to because he's fully supporting me. Colossians three one two kind of describes the idea of what seeking wholeheartedly looks like, and it says, "Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. What God sees as someone who is seeking Him is someone who is constantly looking to Him, like right? concerned with heavenly things, someone whose eyes are on Him. You know that moment that you first locked eyes with your spouse." nobody okay I'm sorry rough Um, we have a marriage small group starting soon Um, you might need to go to that no but maybe you're just not married okay right maybe that was the last time you noticed that like new guy or girl coming to the workplace maybe came into church you know and you spent the whole time trying to accidentally you know accidentally make eye contact with them to see if there was feelings Right. For me, I had seen Victoria around. We met over a, a short weekend. She, her school was up helping us do a ministry project, and um, we had had a small conversation. But I was driving, so I, you know, I wasn't trying to make eye contact because I was trying to not kill her first. And uh, we had some small conversation, but and I had seen her around, but we, you know, I, the accidental eye contact thing hadn't happened yet, and uh, so. Come, there, was, there was a Friday night that she got there, or Thursday or something, and come Sunday morning was their last day and uh, I taught our youth Sunday school class at that time and uh, she showed up with people and came into the Sunday school class and most of the pe- volunteers there didn't show up till service time, but the people she was staying with came early and so she walked into the class and uh, I remember working on this accidental eye contact thing. And I remember she was wearing two different colors of bright eyeshadow. Um, half, like, not one and one, but like half and half. And one it was like pink and yellow. And uh, I was like, that's bold. And I could use some of that boldness in my life. <laughs> and um, no, I'm kidding. Our, our eyes met. My heart fluttered. My stomach got that weird feeling. Um, it wasn't diarrhea. And <laughs> I was lost in love. You know, all the, the, that good stuff. Right? And there's no better picture than that, that God is looking through the earth to and fro, searching everybody, just looking for somebody whose eyes he can accidentally connect with. Right? He's just looking for that moment where you connect eyes and he's like, you're the one. You're what I've been looking for. That's how he spends his days looking for people that he finds looking at him so he can come alongside and fully support you, right? That's what it looks like when, his, when God falls and he sticks. It's a church, it's a place of people who are looking to him. He falls in worship, he falls in times of confession of sins, which is what happened at Asbury, which has happened in Jesus' revolution, has happened in, in all of these moments in time and histories where people got up and realized, wow, I haven't been looking to God enough. In my life, and I need to stop looking at myself and stop worrying about my things and put all that beside and look to God. And His presence sticks there because He's like, I want to support this. I want to support this moment. That's why I love worship so much because it's about looking to God. For God to show up, we need to be actively seeking Him, right? Things like reading your Bible and meditating on him, and worship, and praying, and fasting, and even in your Sabbath rest, those are moments when you are looking to God because you're doing the things that he's asked us to do. Even hanging out with other Christians. He likes that. He promises that where two or three are gathered in his name, that he will be there. So we come back to this story, John 6, verse 5. It says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. He gave thanks to God and distributed to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. But This was a young boy's lunch, Okay. I just want you to realize that it wasn't like, like he was carrying, like, those giant sub sandwiches you get for a party. You know, that wasn't the loaves of bread he had. He didn't have five of those. He had, like, five Pizza Hut breadsticks, okay? Little loaves, right? He had, like, two anchovies, okay? That was the fish. It wasn't six-foot tunas, okay? Tim, that was not the amount of meat that he had to serve it. It was a little boy's lunch that he had with him. Right? If I ate that meal by myself, I wouldn't even be full, okay? I'd be excited because I love bread. But somehow 10,000 people plus, right? There's 5,000 men. That's not including their, their wives, their children that are among them, right? So 10,000 plus people were fed to full and they had leftovers. So let's back up a little. How, we talked about how we get God to show up. Right, by being people who passionately seek him, wholeheartedly. But why does God show up? How does God show up? I'm not going to say that I know everything about God and like there's a trick, right, or anything. There's a, like certain things that we can do that get him to show up. It's not really how it works, but we can observe scripture. And since we know that God never changes, we can expect things to be similar still today. I love in the Old Testament, Isaiah puts it this way. He's calling out to God to show up in a mighty way, and he says, wake up. Wake up, O Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Flex your mighty right arm. Right? Just one arm is all he's asking. He's like, God, if you show me all those muscles, I can't handle it. Right? That's how Victoria feels about me. Uh, but right. she said yes. All right. Um, Man, God wants to show up and be mighty for you. He wants to flex his muscles. That's why, right? When we are wholeheartedly there, he wants to come and fully support you, right? He wants to flex his mighty right arm. I believe God puts us in positions for him to act mightily for his glory, right? In verse five, Jesus asked Philip, how are we gonna feed these people? Where can we go to buy some of this bread? Even though Jesus already knew what he was going to do, it literally says that. Jesus said, I asked him, but it was a test, right? How often does God put us in a situation and go, so how are you going to take care of this? Because he wants us to realize that we can't do it without him. He doesn't want us to go and buy bread somewhere. That wasn't why Jesus asked him. He wanted him to realize, wow, I've got myself in a situation that I can't get out of without God. So that we turn to him and we say, wake up, God. Flex your mighty right arm here. Come fully support us in this moment, right? If you're in a place in your life right now where you feel God has left you in a position that you can't handle, it's probably because he wants to handle it for you. Did, Did you hear that? If you feel like you're in a spot in life that you can't handle, God has put you there so that he can come handle it for you, right? He already knows what he's going to do. Right now, I think there's some stipulations for him doing that for you. Um, which we'll talk about in a bit, but I've also noticed that God usually does miracles from sources and in ways that we wouldn't expect, right? Like, you know, like Philip said, well, I mean, we could work for a lot longer or you got to provide some money so I can go buy bread, right? And Andrew, his brother was like, well, there's a child over there. He's got his lunch with him. Like, first off, how does Andrew know this, right? Was he already hungry? He's already scoping out all the food. He's like, there's ten thousand people here. Somebody's got to have snacks, <laughs> right? And he found this little kid. He's like, At "Some point, I'm gonna take that, right?" But I'm pretty sure Andrew also mentioned it to be sarcastic, right? The disciples' ages ranged anywhere from like teenagers to thirty or so. And there's a good chance Andrew was like, "Yeah, Jesus, we could just go get that little kid's lunch over there, huh?" huh, Jesus? And Jesus is like, deal. He's like, what? Well, no. No, that's a joke, Jesus. Don't, don't make me do that. And I'm pretty sure it's a mixture of both, right? Um, because I'm an Andrew who struggles with sarcasm and hunger. Um, but Jesus still used this boy's lunch to feed 10,000 people. Jesus could have caused all the fish to jump out of the sea. They were by the sea. Right? He could have just said, hey, fish, come on. It's time. And the fish just jump onto the grill. Right? Right onto it. Or or he's like, see all these rocks? Yeah, everybody pick up a rock, and then that rock turns into pizza. Right? And it's the first time in their lives and first time on earth people had pizza. Right? I don't know, but God could have done anything. Any miracle that could have happened there. But he chose to use a little boy's launch. When looking for a miracle from God, stop looking to make it happen yourself. Right? And stop ignoring sources that you wouldn't expect it to be. The problem is we use the physical world as a limitation on the spiritual world all the time. Right? Once we come to know Christ, we become citizens of the kingdom of God, right? We're then aliens of the world. We're not both anymore. You leave your citizenship of the world, you become a citizen of heaven. Now, this world has laws that exist, the law of gravity, the law of time, the laws of thermodynamics, the law of the conservation of mass, right? That you guys know what these things are? Do you remember them from school? Can I test you guys on it? Right, The law of conversation, uh, con- oh my gosh, now I can't even talk. Thank you. That word, of mass, right, says that everything you know, stays roughly the same amount. It cannot change shape or form. Basically, tearing apart bread does not allow you to be able to feed you know, 5,000 plus people and have leftovers. Like That law of earth says that's not possible. But the kingdom of God has different laws. God's laws. It's a different kingdom. It's a different world. Right? When we look at the story through worldly eyes, we see this little boy's lunch is not enough food. This is impossible. But when we realize that we're part of a kingdom that doesn't have to follow these laws, everything is possible. We belong to a kingdom that is greater than the world that we live in. And I believe that we will see more miracles if we can come to understand and have faith in God's kingdom and our part in it. You know what's even crazier is that we're not just citizens of this kingdom, but we're royalty because we're children of the king. right? Talk about special privileges that we have in the kingdom of heaven. The things we have access to, the abilities that we could be doing, the stuff we should be seeing in our lives. If we are wholeheartedly devoted to God, he will support us in ways, in unimaginable ways. We should be able to expect miracles to happen around us because Jesus expects them from us. John 14, 12 says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Which brings me to my next kind of observation and it's an important one. Jesus didn't just have Andrew go and grab the lunch and start passing it out. There was an important step in there. And miracles happen when our situations pass through Jesus' hands. Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks for it, Broke it and then divided it around. And he did the same with the fish. Right? Too, too many times God points us in the right direction. And we're like, cool, God, thanks. Nice talking to you. I got it from here. Right? Thanks for that that heads up. You are a smart man. You know. And we move on. And then we go try and do it in our own effort. But then we get upset because nothing is fixed. Right? We pray about it, but we don't actually give God the room to do anything because we come too busy trying to do it ourselves. Jesus is the most important step. Now, this is a step I haven't been doing well. And this, I don't know, probably last month, I've been really convicted, I would say, on what is God doing here at this church? Why why am I here? What is this purpose? And it's probably the main reason for this pause in our series we've been through to talk about this. Man, I, I'm excited to get to the doing side of church, right? Where God starts using us individually and in our unique purpose and gifts, and I'm excited about that. And that's what that other series is all about. But the important step that we got to make sure that we're first empowered by God makes all the difference. Right? We can go out there and we can do it all in our own power, and we can see changes because God's gifted us naturally to do the work that he's called us to but if we want to see a real harvest if we want to see a, a real change we need to be empowered and that's where I have not been here I came and I'm doing all the things I know to do right stuff that I'm naturally gifted at and talented at and I've been doing it in my own power and that is not right now it's not that I've been completely ignoring God or any of those things but I, I've been making decisions and leading this church within my own power and, and doing these very things where I'm like, okay, God, what do we talk about next? Or what's the next thing? And he mentions something, and I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks, I got it. I remember doing this before. I've been there. I've done that. And I haven't been leaving room for him to empower it and to do even more works if, we, if I sat back and let him come. And for that, I'm sorry. As your leader, I'm sorry to God. For trying to do it in my own power, because why would I ever do that? Like it doesn't even make sense to lead a, a spiritual group without spirituality. God has so much more plan than anything that I could ever do in my own power. I'm done doing this in my power. God has so much more plan for this area. I just, like I was talking about when that, you know, I was seeing the snow cover everything. I was just overwhelmed. And I started going, God, where do I even start? How do I even make that happen? And God's like, that's part of the problem. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. I believe God wants to use us, use this church. But that means surrendering who we are to him. That means putting ourselves out of, our, out of his way and letting him just drag us along to the places and being that, that surrendered. Say, God, where, where do you have me? What do you want me doing at this moment? And I believe that we can have a reach that's beyond anything we could ever have thought imaginable here if we can get out of the way and let God come and do what he wants to do here. If we can let us pass through Jesus' hands. Do you know what Jesus does with his life now? You know, after he died and rose to heaven. You know, for the longest time I assumed he's probably just like chilling in a hot tub. You know, he's like, I've done my work. I'm very sore from all of the beatings and crucifixion stuff. And uh, so I just want to chill. I did my work. But even after going through all of that for us, Romans 8, 34, Hebrews 7, there's multiple verses talk about what he does now, day and night, is he goes before God for us and he intercedes on our behalf. He's constantly asking God, hey, don't forget about my people. Don't forget when they mess up that I took care of that. Right? You can still show up and you can still help them. Right? Did you hear what they're praying, God? Because I heard it and we got to do something about that. And that's all he does day and night, day and night. He's still working on our behalf. I mean, it wasn't just a, 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 you know, a few years thing and then a, a crazy last few days. You know, it was in, for eternity. But that's how we know that God wants to come and support and we know we can do the things if we surrender ourselves because Jesus is still working on our behalf. I mean, there's the, the story of the woman with the blood disease that she you know went to every doctor and every situation that she could find you know she tried oh just blanked on it was gonna be a funny joke I can promise but um, yeah thanks okay um, she had gone to everything to try and fix things you know and um, but she realized that if I could just get Jesus involved it'll fix it all. You know, and all she wanted to do is just touch it just to get there, and it healed everything, and I think you know, we missed that spot where we keep trying to do it all in our own power all the different ways for all the years, but what if we just skipped all that and just went straight to saying, all right, Jesus, we need you involved. We have to stop limiting God to only one way of doing things, right? If you're praying for a provision and someone offers you a job, you better believe that could be from God. Right, there's a there's a little parable-ish story thing of a you know a pastor who fell out of a boat on the ocean and he cried out for help from God and two different boats stopped to try and get him. And he said, "No, I'm waiting for God to you know save me from this situation." And then he just died, uh, you know, because he drowned. He was a very good swimmer, and he gets to heaven, and uh, you know he sees God and he's like, "God, what the heck? And uh, you were supposed to save me." And he's like, "I sent you two freaking boats," you know. I, I, you know, I, I think we try and look at miracles to be too godly, right? Like so much beyond. But if we're not even recognizing the small miracles of our, our day-to-day lives, why would God start doing more things, right? Because, you know, it's supposed to come back for his glory. It, they don't happen for us. You know, I mean, obviously they move for us, but they happen for God's glory. And we have to give him glory. And if we're not even recognizing the small miracles of God in our lives, why is he going to show up and do more of them in some bigger way, right? His goal is for everybody to come to know him. And if we're not sharing and not sowing into the earth the things that he's doing in our lives, why would he continue to do it in your life? And miracles happen when heaven encounters earth. It happens through Jesus' hands. You know, it's why Jesus taught us to pray for God's kingdom to come. Right, to bring the laws of God's kingdom into our earth. And when those encounters happen, that's where miracles happen. Definitely doesn't happen when we tell God how to fix it. It's so when we invite him in, in his will, in his way. And I believe miracles happen in third world countries so much more than here because Jesus is really their only option. Pretty much every time I've seen a miracle happen in someone's life is because there was no other option for them. But what if we just turned to him first? What if he was our first option? Right? We put more faith in worldly things than we do in God. Right, you don't think of a plan B when you flip on a light switch. You just know the lights get turned on. Right? When you sit in a chair, you, you trust it's going to hold you. Um, right? That kind of faith. That's how it should be with God. And I believe that miracles happen when we're reaching out to the lost, because that's who miracles are for. When a miracle happens to you, yes, it's for you because God cares about you, but it's so we can tell the story, like I said. The story kind of comes full circle when Jesus says at the, the end of all of this time, you know, he, he does the, the miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus people. He actually, he leaves. They go all the way back around. They find him again. And he's like, you're only searching for me because of this miraculous signs. Verse 26. He says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, the only work God wants from you is to believe in the one he has sent. Right? Jesus goes on to talk about that, you know, don't search for, you know, earthly bread, but I am the bread of life. Consume me daily to live. It's not about the miracles, right? If we want to be a place where God's presence sticks, it's about Jesus. It's about searching after him and seeking him daily and consuming him and being connected to the vine and all those things we've been talking about. I've just come to find out it's always all about Jesus. To be a place where God shows up, we need to be wholeheartedly seeking him and devoted to being where he is at. To see God show off, we have to be consumed with Jesus that he is our first and only plan, and that we put our complete faith in him. And so how do we put things in Jesus' hands? How do we fix this problem and continue forward like that? Well, I think it's much more than just prayer. Right? I think that that does help get things off our chest and into God where we, we pray. But there's more to it, and it's it's called a a secret of the kingdom of God. But it's found throughout scripture. It wasn't too hidden um, for us now. In Mark chapter four, Jesus shares a parable about sowing seed. He says, A farmer scatters seed all over and it falls in these four different places. It, uh, one of the places is a hardened footpath where the seed was eaten by birds before it could grow. Second place was rocky soil where it grew, but it died in the harsh sun because it didn't have deep roots. The other area was uh, weeds. It fell into an area of weeds, and those weeds choked out the new plants. But the last spot was fertile soil where it grew 100 times the amount of seeds that were planted. The disciples were really confused about this story Jesus shared and what it meant. In verse 11 of Mark 4, he says, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. Right? Imagine Jesus showing up here right now. You know, and he's in your, you're in your prayer time or wherever you're at, you're sitting in our church, and, and Jesus shows up and he goes, you want to know the secret to reaching the world? Would, do you think you would listen? Do you think you'd stop whatever you were doing in that moment and say, okay, what's this secret? That's basically what he's telling them here. Hey, this is the secret. This is all of the kingdom of God summed up in this secret right here. Jesus goes on to explain the different places the seed fell, but the point is that seed was spread. It will not grow and it will not find fertile ground without being sown. And when it's sown in the right place, which is God's job to develop the land, it'll produce a crop that could be up to a hundred times the spread of the seed. Jesus goes on to share multiple more parables talking about the secret of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, it's the farmer's job to spread the seed, verses 26 through 29, that the earth grows it and is a mystery to the farmer. But that's the kingdom of God, to sow into the earth and God will grow it. Verse 30 through 32, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed being planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Sowing a small seed creates a tree that becomes a safe place for the rest of the lives around it. I shared this verse at the beginning of the year, talking about our church, that I believe that this is what God is calling us to be, a safe place of shade, and where the lives around us could come and find rest and and find safety. But it only happens if we sow seed. Everything in the kingdom of God works on this principle, this is what it means to put it into God's hands is that we sow seed. We do our job. We tell people about what God is doing in our life. We invite people to encounter God. We live like Jesus lived where he just was open to the moments where he could move for God. Right? This principle that is the secret of the kingdom of God is you reap what you sow. The secret is not just sharing the gospel. It's that if you put in the work that God has called us to, you will reap a harvest. Paul said in Galatians 6, 7-9, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Let's not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. In 2 Corinthians Nine, six. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Jesus in Luke 6, 38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured back into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I believe that this is what God wants us to sow this year. I believe that God is calling us to sow. This is the kingdom principle. He's asking us to participate in, so that we could reap this harvest that's outside of this world. Is first and foremost, we have to sow in time with Jesus, right? In prayer and in fasting. That's where it starts. We will never be able to reach this area if we don't spend time with Him, right? All these miracles, all these things happen because it went through Jesus' hands. Put your life into Jesus' hands. Right Start praying and fasting, and with that, right, right now we're in the the season of Lent, which we don't really celebrate in most you know of the, I don't know, whatever you know, charismatic movement or whatever you want to call it. It's more of a traditional thing. But this is the largest Christian fast all around the world happening right now, leading up to Easter. I say, let's join in. Right? Let's fast something right now, and let's begin to pray. You know, if you're going to fast a meal, replace that meal with a time of prayer, praying for the lost around us, praying for our church to be a place that spreads seed. Pray for open hearts and fertile soil when that, seed is, when that seed is spread. Pray for God to reveal where and how we can spread it. You know, for God's spirit to fall and stick here. Right, maybe you're going to fast TV, right, because you're spending too much time watching TV. Replace that time of TV in prayer. Right, instead of sewing in TV, sew in God's presence. Right, or being on social media or something. Man, sew where it matters. Right, find something to fast. Start tomorrow. I don't 100% know what I'm doing yet, but I'm starting something. We need to sew in time. Oh, uh, we will Easter weekend probably in this time in like a maybe like 24 hours of prayer here at the church. I don't know what it will look like yet. I guess like I all of this is just happening right now, Um, but we'll be announcing that as it comes, so just plan on something like that happening. Uh, We need to sow in time, that's part of this 24 hours thing, so we need to spend time gathering, right, doing this, being with other people. We need to spend time discipling each other, growing in Christ, right, and we need to spend and sow time serving, right? The more we sow, the more we will reap. Like that's where you on a personal level. Whatever you are searching for from God, you will receive pressed down, shaken together, poured out generously, if you sow. Right? If you're like, man, I wish somebody would pour into my life. I wish I had someone who was discipling me. Start discipling someone else. I can guarantee someone will step in and start discipling you. That is a kingdom principle. That is the secret of the kingdom. That if you're searching for something, you go be that for somebody, and it will show up for you. I've seen it multiple, multiple times in my life in many, many different ways. You know what's crazy is when you're in need financially, if you're in need physically for something, if you give away what you have for other people, God always shows up and pours it out generously. And lastly, as a church, we're going to sow resources and what we have, right? We we want to be a church that sows so that we can reap to continue to sow. So we're going to sow into things happening here at the church. We're trying to find, I'm praying that God would reveal some way that we can sow into our community and show that, hey, we value these people and we value who you are and we're willing to pour our resources there so that they know we're about what God's about. One of these ways currently is the movie night, Tuesday night. We want people in this church to go see it. Obviously, I think it'd be really encouraging for you. But I believe that this could be a great tool to help sow the gospel into the lives of people around us. Right? These free tickets are free so we can bring people to come to know Jesus, not for a date night. Okay? Now, some of you are like, oh, yeah, cool, it's date night. Okay, make it a double date. Invite your neighbors that need to know Jesus and go with you. Then take them out to dinner afterwards and sow into them the gospel, sow into them the good news. And do that by sharing what God has done in your life. Um, we're gonna end with a song, so um, because I, I felt like, wow, we can't move on here without sewing, right? We need to, we need to do something. We need to make this an action. And so, um, I, I have three things I guess want you to pray for during this time where we sing this song. And the first is foremost, maybe you need to ask God for forgiveness for relying on yourself. You know, maybe you need to confess it to the person next to you. Uh, because Scripture says when we confess to others, that's when we're really fully freed of that sin and stuff in our lives, and think, okay, where have been trying to move in my own power when I really need God to come and move? Right, secondly, pray for the people you're going to invite to this movie. Okay, If you have no one, then pray, God, show me who I'm supposed to invite. And then begin to say, God, make their heart fertile soil so that when the seed is given to them, they accept it and they go with them. And don't give them excuses. You know, Pick them up take them there. You don't say, I'll be at your house at whatever time you need to get there to the movie theater at the time. Um, we printed off some paper tickets so you can use them as invites. Um, so on your way out, we'll hand them to you somehow. Um, Shelly's in charge. So, um, But right, these tickets, again, they're not for you. Like I want you to go, but really your ticket is bringing somebody with you. Okay. And so, the free ticket's not necessarily your ticket. You got a job to do, All right? Invite somebody, take them to this movie with you um, and start praying for them now. And then lastly, start to pray for God's power to be evident in our church. Right? We want to see God come here and stick so that the world around us starts to see God and experience it in this way. So um, like I guess we're going to go into this song, but pray for those things. Um, th- there, that is gonna disappear, so if you want that, maybe grab a picture or write it down real fast. Let's pray.
1: Father, here we are, your sons and your daughters. heard you loud and clear, Lord, and I pray that our hearts would receive your word, that we would be open, Father God, to your will and your way. God, we're praying for you to move among us, God, move in us, move through us, move around us, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to surrender our will and our ways and our desires, our dreams, God, help us to truly surrender them to you, Jesus. Asking that you come and move as you see fit. If we've put up red tape around certain areas of our lives or our, our time or our resources, our finances, God, where we've said, You can have everything but this, God, I pray that you would, in your goodness and in your kindness, God, reveal it to us. That we would be bold and brave enough to obey, Father God, what you're asking of us so that your kingdom can grow. Kingdom can come, and your will be done. Let it be done in our lives, Jesus.
2: Spirit, sound, rushing. of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out holy anointing the power of your presence pour your spirit out
1: One thing, God, is that this is your heart's desire. From the very beginning, God, you created an an Eden, a garden, to be with man, to be with Adam and Eve, God. You walked and talked with them. You have always wanted communion, God. You have always wanted fellowship with us. That was the original design, God. And then we screwed it up but you had a plan b for us jesus not only did you make a way for you to come back to us god that garden that place of communion that pace place of fellowship is inside of us god you didn't just come make a way so that you could walk with us and talk with us god you made a way so that you can live within us god We are your garden, Jesus. Our hearts are your garden, God, and some of our gardens are a little messier than others, God. They're not as beautiful as you created them to be, God. Some of our gardens have statues and idols and, and, and mountains of things that we're trying to hold on to, God. But Lord, I pray that in your goodness and in your kindness, God, Would you come in, Lord, and would you weed what needs to be taken out, God? Help us to let go of our idols, God. Help us to let go of ourselves. We would allow you to abide in us, God. Like fully possess us, God, like a a puppet on your hand, God. So that your kingdom can come and your will can be done, Jesus. kingdom come, your will be done in my heart, in my head, in my life, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my home, with our children and with our parents, God, let your kingdom come, your will be done in our communities, God, in our neighborhoods, let your kingdom come and your will be done, God, in us, just as it is in heaven. That would be the cry of our hearts, Jesus. We ask this in your name.
0: Could we just be people that wholeheartedly go after God? Like, He doesn't ask that much of us. He's just looking for people that are looking to him. That's the wholeheartedness. It's just saying, God, I don't have other things I'm putting my trust in. I don't have other things that I'm looking for to be an answer in my life. It's just you. He has our whole hearts. That's what it means that we just continue to look to him with everything, for everything. And in that, he promises to come and fully support us. In other words, be everything that we're looking for to, to provide us with whatever we need in those moments of our lives. And in that will be people that God sticks to and that people see and then share that with people. Right? So, uh, we have our vision meeting. Let's start it at like 1150. Give you 10 minutes to like go grab some more coffee or something. Uh, we have people watching kids, um, If you're here for the meeting, don't leave your kids and leave, uh, okay, because we'll just send them out. Who knows? Um, But so, yeah, if we see you not here and your kids here, it's just not going to be a good situation. Uh, But we do have someone watching kids, but if you're not going, go grab your kids, leave. Otherwise, grab stuff. Be back in here in nine minutes. The meeting, we're going to keep it to an hour. Um, So that's it. Then you can go eat. But. On your way out, don't forget to grab tickets to invite people. Um, shelley has got them. Please, please, please invite people. Let's fill this theater with people who need the hope of the gospel. And let's start praying for them now and fasting for what God wants to do later. Because I'm believing for big things Easter weekend, not just because it's Easter, but I mean, because it's Easter, but also because, man, I just believe God wants to pour out. I believe that he has got big things and let's partner with him in that. All right? Cool. All right, start fasting. Start praying.